1: Hello all theater lovers, both out and proud and on the DL, and welcome to another episode of Broadway Breakdown, a podcast discussing the history and legacy of American theater's most exclusive address. Broadway. This series is called Tesori Hour, covering all five musicals that have bowed on Broadway composed by Miss Janine Tesori. I am your host, Matt Koplik, the least famous and most opinionated of all the Broadway podcast hosts. And with me today is a musical theater writer. He's a composer. He's a lyricist, uh, a librettist as well. Yes, he pre- Yes, he does all of it, because he likes working by himself, much like a certain character we're going to be talking about today. Uh, You might know his works of American Morning, or The View from Here. Yes, I did my research. Please welcome to the podcast, Timothy Huang.
0: Hi, Timothy. I'm so done. That was hilarious. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Uh Uh Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm great. Um, I am... (laughs) I told Timothy before we recorded, but I'll tell the listeners, I am in the perfect mood to talk about a specific show that we're going to talk about today because I'm grumpy. I uh... <laughs> Timothy's been so lovely. He's been very accommodating to timing and I had to move the podcast back a little bit today to accommodate some things I had to do only for um, my phone to get completely fucked up at the gym. Uh, A weight came down on it, and there are no cracks or anything like that, but it did power off completely, and it won't power back on, so I had to cut the gym short. I had to cut all my other activities short, came straight home, was able to get an appointment with Apple for later tonight, but basically, I'm just sitting here going, I don't like this, so I'm in the perfect mind frame to talk about a certain show. Timothy, what show are we talking about today?
0: We are talking about (laughs) Shrek the Musical, baby! (laughs) Exclamation point, man! Yeah! (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, So, Timothy, two questions. Sure. When did you become aware of Janine DeSori? That's question one.
0: Okay. Uh, That's a good question. I would say that the first time uh, I was aware of Janine DeSori was when I got called back for Thoroughly Modern Millie, because in a former life I was an actor
1: are yeah. not we all was this yeah. <laughs> was this Broadway Thoroughly Modern
0: Millie no it was for the first national tour so I remember they they comped me to see Millie at the marquee and I was so excited because I'd never had seen free Broadway before mm. um and you know I I didn't know Sid Foster like like I didn't you know uh, and and I was like this is amazing I want to go on tour with the show even though you know the character that I'm being considered to play is not the most um I don't know, constructive archetype. Uh, Sure. uh, But I was like, yeah, I I was already like spending that money, you know, that that I wasn't that I I had not been contracted yet to. to Um, And of course, I did not get it uh, because, of course, I am not an actor. I'm not a competitive one at any rate. So uh, that that was that was my first um, my first tesori encounter.
1: But you are charming. And that's why they called you back and had you come see the show. (laughs) that's what it was um so that was that was uh the first time you saw a show and you're like janine tesori wrote this yes lovely i mean i'm i hate to ask the obvious but i mean what did you think of sutton
0: oh my god i was amazed by her i i thought to myself that uh it, it, it it was kind of this double discovery the first was oh my gosh she was this person the second was like Are are women allowed to be funny and like you know like romantic characters also like at the same time like what's that about why haven't we seen more of this is is she like a unicorn or or could it just be the patriarchy? It's it's (laughs) everything. I mean, I know what you
1: mean because usually in a romantic musical, the leading lady is allowed to be quirky but not necessarily funny. You know what I mean? Like like a Meg Ryan who peels her apples with one slice like in Seattle or you know reads all the books and you've got mail but ne- never necessarily gets to be sort of like messy funny and that's something I always loved about Sutton we'll talk about it with this show as well because she mm-hmm. really gets to go for broke here uh you know yeah. just being being messy funny uh yeah, yeah. I talked about it in the I mean, Millie I- episode already but that was when Millie came out I was already very much in love with Broadway at a young age, but that was when I started to become aware of the optics of Broadway. So I was very aware of like her trajectory, her narrative, her storyline. And so I was like, so on board with, you know, this star is born moment. And so I'm just, no matter what she does, even if I don't love the show, I will love her and will always go see her.
0: Yeah. I, I got to say, like, I mean, I think in, in 2022, Tim would, would look back and say that like, one of the reasons that's been super prohibitive is because like, like in terms of characters only allowed to be uh, quirky versus like messy mm-hmm. um, is because of male gaze. Like that is really what I would call it. It's like, wow, those, those female characters are not allowed to be dirty. They're not allowed because that, that makes us feel things about ourselves or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, which like, is is just like a single person cannot apologize enough for for even i think like consuming that kind of media for so long like it's just so disgustingly like bothersome and and embarrassing uh so you know i'm glad that like we're glacially paced towards the opposite of that spectrum yeah i mean the
1: the more of it that we get the more we can absorb and learn and and move away from uh, archaic ideals, which brings us to my second question. When did you become aware of Shrek the musical?
0: Oh, well, you know, uh, I actually saw it in its original Broadway, uh, run. Uh, mm. so I guess then I'm not sure, um, as we've discussed off camera, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm friendly with David Lindsay bear, and I'm pretty sure like at that point I would have known that he was writing it. Mm. Um, So probably like, you know, a year before they opened, it would have come across my radar. To to be perfect, full disclosure, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the first film. Um, I eventually like, I got it, you know, uh, and and it's subsequent uh, uh, sequels. But like, for me, like all of that, like that tone of non sequitur, you know, one in joke after another, one reference after another, like that worked for me when I was coming of age and watching like Wayne's World. Right, mm-hmm. and those references were like relevant to me and, and my uh, maturation, or whatnot. Uh, but with Shrek, I was just a little bit older, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really understand what this is. I mean, I, I get that it was sort of the anti fairy tale. So I was never like a like a fan. I saw it, and I was like, okay, done. You know, um. So so that that David was writing this at all was probably something that I would have heard and just kind of not really clocked because it wasn't really relevant to my interests per se. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so I, you know, when it, whenever whenever it opened. On Broadway. Um, that would have been, what, two thousand two thousand
1: eight, 2008, going eight. into 2009, yeah. Wait, are you telling me that this was a movie that they adapted into a Broadway musical? Totally original, right? What oh my god! Crazy. Has that ever been done before?
0: I don't think so. I think this was the first one. Absolutely. The first one
1: ever. Uh, yeah. Totally fair. Listen, I, the movie came out, the, Shrek, the first Shrek movie came out, I was the perfect age to see it. I was 11, and it was like, Ugh. It, it's that age where, like, you are—you know enough to get to get a lot of the jokes, and you think that you're clever because you're getting a lot of the references. Yeah. And then when you get a little older and you look back, you're like, "Oh, these references are pretty obvious and like low hanging fruit." Mm-hmm. The fact that like it was so hysterical to an eleven year old tells you sort of the level of craft that goes behind it. Look, I have seen the movie a couple of times now, and I do think the movie is still relatively good. Um, there are some jokes that hold up some that it's like, eh, that's stupid. It's sort of, like, but I remember everyone thinking like how brilliant it was because it was deconstructing fairy tales. I'm like, Into the Woods did that first and m- much more complex. Uh, Shrek is like, let's not talk about, uh, you know, the toxicity of parenthood and childhood and mm-hmm. just talk about how everyone has layers. But I did enjoy the movie for a time. When I remember when they announced this was going to be a musical around like 2004, there was no creative team yet. they were just like Shrek's coming to Broadway at some point. And we we're all like, <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. And then it was announced that D- David Lindsay, bear was going to write the book. Jason Moore, who uh, directed Avenue Q, was going to direct it. And they're like, we don't have a lyricist or a, or a composer yet. But uh, it's coming, it's coming again. Everyone's like, yeah, sure, we'll we'll believe when we see it. And then like a year later, they announced that Janine Tesori is gonna do the music, that David's actually gonna write the lyrics. And that was when I went, huh? Maybe, just maybe, this won't be the worst thing ever. Because David, <laughs> you know, with uh Kimberly Akimbo and Fuddy Mears, and I and I think, yeah, Rabbit Hole had come out, I think, at that point. No. No, Rabbit I Hole, I think. Say-
0: I want to say '09, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Google that for me.
1: Google that, will you, dear? I believe Rabbit Hole was the year before Shrek came to Broadway, but I could be wrong. Uh, And then Janine, I was obsessed with Millie as a kid, and then I saw Caroline or Change, and a monster was born because I was just like, oh, this mind-bogglingly brilliant score has turned me into an elitist asshole for the rest of my life. Especially because then I saw Light in the Piazza like nine months later. Like I seen Carolina change in May of 2004 and then Light of the Piazza in March of 2005. There was no going back for me. I was like, oh, I am going to sip tea with my pinky up and tell everyone that they're garbage. <laughs> and so I was very excited for Shrek. Uh, it came my freshman year of high school, I do know, sorry, freshman year of college, what am I saying? So I never actually got to see it on Broadway because the majority of it's run, I was in school and then I was uh, at Williamstown for that summer. So, and then back to school. So, and it had only about a year long run. So I just never really got a chance to see it, but I did listen to the score once or twice and enjoyed it. And I remember thinking like, I feel like this is getting a bad rap. I don't know why. And then I watched the Netflix filming, in prep for the episode I did on this two years ago with one Josh Burridge. And for anyone who wants to come for me for doing this episode again, first of all, it's a Jeanine Desori series, get into it. Second of all, I don't remember what I said two years ago to Josh. It was in the middle of lockdown, we all blacked out. So I may repeat myself, I don't know, I don't care.
0: And third of all, I'm like the the least derivative person uh, that you'll ever meet. Like my my work isn't derivative of anyone um, ever. You are just Uh. like
1: a musical (laughs) based off of a movie. Totally original, never done before. No one's ever seen it.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> so I already kind of gave a little bit of background on this musical. Uh, you know, the, tr- the, the timeline of announcements and whatnot, obviously we had the 2001 film, which was based off of the children's book from the early nineties uh, by William Steig. The interesting thing about, or Steve, I don't know how you say his last name. The interesting mm-hmm. thing about Shrek the movie, I don't know how into like movie trivia or history you are Timothy, but, uh, I weirdly listen to more movie podcasts than I do to theater podcasts because I find theater podcasts to be relatively dry, which is why I made this one because I was like, let's get educational, but with some flavor. I love it. I love it. So Shrek was produced by DreamWorks, which was uh, founded by David Geffen, Steven Spielberg and Jeffrey Katzenberg. Katzenberg founded it after being fired from Disney, where he helped sort of launch the Disney Renaissance with Michael Eisner and Howard Ashman and Alan Menken and all their collaborators. And Shrek was supposed to be a pretty direct 2D animation adaptation of the book, which I was doing some research on and has almost no resemblance to the movie that was made <laughs> other than the fact that he's an ogre, he has a donkey and he marries a princess. Other, everything else is like pretty much completely different. And Katzenberg took it over and decided to make it a giant fuck you to Disney by having it by incorporating basically every Disney fairy tale film ever and just poking fun at all of them peter pan alice in wonderland cinderella sleeping beauty all that snow white like just really just like shitting all over it and the and the ultimate fuck you was that shrek won the first oscar for animated film they makes so much money. It has all the sequels in the world, a million uh, spinoffs. And the one thing he needed to do left to kind of really conquer Disney was bring Shrek to Broadway, because until that point, Disney had conquered Broadway in a way that DreamWorks right. never really did. That's so he was true. hoping Shrek would kind of do that. The irony is that I think this actually has a better score than a lot of the Disney broadway shows but you watch the netflix movie and you're like oh i see why this didn't totally land mm-hmm. um and i don't blame dave Lindsay bear or Janita sorry especially because this morning i watched a bootleg of the seattle uh out of town tryout for the oh. show yes which i i send you not thinking you would ever watch it but just like right. here's an option if you have two and yeah, a half yeah. hours
0: free and I, and I and i didn't but i will i'm going to go back to that because i had a very similar response to the netflix uh screening as you did but also though um it echoed my response seeing it from the balcony when it was on broadway at the broadway mm-hmm. um but like i i, I want to talk about that but we'll, I, I feel like i'm getting ahead of ourselves keep, please please yeah. keep going
1: um it was just so well it'll all sort of get wrapped up as we talk about it but yeah, like I'm watching the Seattle version and then the Broadway version. There are certain changes they made that make a lot of sense. A lot of it musically, the way that they kind of tweaked who I'd be, so it was a little more of a complete Act One finale. They made, uh, they you know gave a little bit of an overture and an end track, so the whole thing had a bit more pomp and circumstance to it. But the other thing is that a lot of the drier humor of the book that David had written and a lot of places where he deviated from the screenplay got cut. And they added in more stuff from the movie. So there are a lot of things that you look at, like, you know, and some things are funny, you know, the, the donkey, he talks. Yeah. It's getting it to shut up. That's the trick. Like it's a funny line direct from the movie. It wasn't in the script when they were in Seattle, they added it back in and, you know, it's interesting to see how these two really brilliant writers who were definitely, you could tell from Seattle, were trying to find a way to balance the familiar and doing something new with it ultimately got strong-armed no matter what they say it's the proof is in the pudding they got strong-armed into incorporating more of what people knew by you know if
0: if i can just jump in for a second jump in uh, please i I I had um no 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 i uh i I just want to this is kind of relevant because i spoke to david about this particular aspect of it like just in terms of like curiosity like how how could when you're working with a known quantity there there must be some pressure i asked him uh to kind of incorporate things that are 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 referential. Otherwise, what would be the point? Um, and his response was very, very surprising to me. Like he said, uh, I think maybe they'd said, oh, well, we like this and this, but we were given free reign to really kind of make something of our own, which which I think um, shows a lot of trust because like, like look at who we're talking about. Of course, you, you give them carte blanche, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, of of course, you trust that they they know that there are certain touchstones and whatnot that that would probably serve to be you know inserted and whatnot. Um, but I was expecting him to be like Tim off the record. Oh my God, they were just such tyrants and blah blah blah. But he was like, no no, they just kind of let us go and and, and...
1: maybe that's true from before Seattle. Because um, this is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah because and and to be fair, like they do keep a lot of the stuff from out of town. You know, a lot of the music and and certain moments in the show where it's like this is a lot more quiet and introspective than the movie ever hoped to be but you can there maybe maybe it wasn't even dreamworks i don't want to put you know any words in anybody's mouth but you do see from seattle to broadway they go a little more in the direction of what the movie was uh and it's a shame because in some of those quieter drier moments and i'm like oh that's interesting that's fun that's cool uh although they did make more changes again when they went on tour and then again when they went to london where each time they sort of revised it after Broadway, the response was better because it, they also simplified the design. They made it a little less extravagant. And everyone's like, oh yeah, this is not quite so theme park looking anymore. Uh, it's a little less overt in the humor. This is actually quite charming now, which I think uh, is good. I like that. But yes, you watch the Netflix movie. First of all, it's terribly filmed. Terribly it's, it's
0: filmed. Pretty, it's, it's not great. It's
1: not, it's great. not great. And that's I'm, that doesn't... Fall on anyone's shoulders but whoever directed The filming uh, they don't Adjust any of the lighting really so a lot of it Looks very dark they do they go Between like wide shots and then Up close shaky cam Which is is Odd um, but on The bright and not all the performances Translate to film some of Them are you know done for the back of the house And feel like it's for the back of the house But some things translate very well like you know Sutton Foster because you know she Knows how to do it keep your big bright beautiful world i'm happy where i am all alone i've got all i need So read the stinking and sign keep your big bright beautiful world timothy for anyone who lives under a rock or in a cave or in a swamp let's say
0: (laughs) what is shrek about Oh, that is such an interesting question. Um, I mean, <laughs> like, well, let's talk story. There's, there's a, a character named Shrek. He's an ogre, um, and and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna kind of let's talk. Let's limit it to to what we've seen on stage, right? So he, uh, he's got these like really, really shitty parents who say, you know what, have fun. Here's your bag. Uh, don't let the the door knock your ass on your way out. And and he sat out alone, and like. He kind of grows up to be a curmudgeon so our story starts when um this very very minuscule uh person who fancies himself an overlord starts pushing the fairy tale creatures out of his land and and they've come to occupy uh shrek's space and he's like no 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 no, no. i don't i'm not down with being around with anybody so y'all have to get out and they're like well we can't get out because we've, we've just been displaced we are um we are refugees so you got to go talk to this dude Farquad because like Farquad, he kicked us out and for some reason he's allowed to do that so so in an effort to save his sanctuary and his sanity he goes on a journey to uh convince Mr. Farquad of 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 to to retract and you know and, yeah. and renege uh Farquad says you know what I'll give you your swamp back if you can get me, if you can rescue this princess Fiona for me, because I'm actually just sort of like, I'm sort of the steward of Gondor. I'm just kind of sitting here on somebody else's throne. And in order for me to to really be royalty, I need to marry a princess. So he's like, done and done. Let's go, let's go, let's go get this this Fiona lady. Um, And it's really just like him kind of over that time learning uh, a little bit more about himself and how he isn't as much of a curmudgeon as he fancies himself to be or I guess put another way that he in fact does need people. Um, I would say on a larger level though, this, this play for me is more about how like uh, diversity isn't something that, that we should shun uh, or like, or 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 that we should be ashamed of. It's actually something that makes us all stronger. Um, um, and on a micro level, just sort of like, I mean, this, this song, Let Your Freak Flag, fly says it all right like and frankly uh, it's not at all subtle in that it has a big bad wolf who's all, like a cross-dressing wolf. so in, ca- in case you didn't get the metaphor here's a character who actually has a kink that should not be shamed um, absolutely and the show does not shame him not one bit and you know no which is you know what i i, I very much love that about about this, this production. Um, Mm -hmm. But how did I do? I mean, I kind of feel like that's sort of what it is. And then there's like a dragon and a donkey and there's onions and layers. And yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. The big thing is that Shrek ends up falling in love with the princess Fiona, who is not nearly the typical princess that he thinks she is or, and to be fair is the image she tries to present, but she is not naturally that. Um, Yeah. And she has her own secret. Yeah. It's finding the beauty within yourself, accepting Diversity, uh, understanding the importance of a community. Something that I really like that the musical explores, at least musically speaking, that the film doesn't delve into quite so much is the difference between putting up a wall because you don't like people and putting up a wall because you're afraid people don't like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or there, or should I say, there's a difference between boundaries and walls, right? Yeah. A boundary can be moved, it, it's something that you can uh, work through. A wall is impenetrable it is a fortress and that is imp- that's an important distinction uh shrek doesn't have boundaries he has walls yes yes very well said i like that a lot i like thank that. you i didn't go to school for psychology but i know words yeah so what is a moment in the show that you think works uh on at least on a tech a text-based level uh,
0: okay let's see um i mean a lot of it a
1: lot of it works You know, um, well, so let me, let me put it this way. What is a moment where you go, oh, that was really smart of them to musicalize this moment or how they musicalized
0: it. Okay. Oh, I'll tell you this. Uh, uh, what I, what I, what I thought was when we, when I started watching this thing, I was like, okay, so this is a known quantity. People sort of have this expectation of what it is. And it is, uh, sort of one of the progenitors of like this new form of animated storytelling where it's just like beat by beat by beat by beat. And we're just, once you get on that train, you don't stop. And it's not like it, it kind of it, it allows itself to kind of go in different directions and wherever it lands and lands. Because um, prior to this, I don't really I feel like maybe, you know, maybe Pixar was doing it something similar uh, before, but like, but this was sort of where I started to realize, oh, like, people aren't interested in taking their time anymore mm-hmm. when they're storytelling. Um, so, so given that, like when I first started watching, I was like, oh, right. How are they gonna fit like his, Th- that wasn't really an I want song, you know? And when we are talking about musical theater, there's always this number that like, usually comes at the beginning where the character, the, the main character sort of defines themselves by singing about what they want or how they're planning to attain it or, or whatever that is to give us kind of an insight into that character. And I'm, and I'm, I'm seeing all these characters sing, not really getting that insight. And then at the end of act one, we get this like, honest to God, I want number. And it's like all three of them to a degree. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I was just like, that's such a fantastic way to end an act when you can afford to do that because people already know what the show is for, for, you know, Mm -hmm. to some extent. Um, So that actually really worked for me um, and I would never have done it. And I haven't really seen any innovation in that until um Canto, which is like a whole other thing but mm. like i like t- to see that like the form was kind of subverted really satisfied me
1: personally. absolutely um i feel like i I'd, I'd call who i'd be an i'd want song instead of an i want yeah. song because he d- he's not even so bold to say like this is what i want but he's like if i wanted things i guess i would want this uh which is it's it's um like how Rodgers and Hammerstein created the conditional love song. It's the, if I loved you, people say I sure. love, this is the conditional want song, which is so clever. And so, and works perfectly in context with that character, you know, the, the, what does it sometimes says? Like the con, uh, the form is dictated by content. Um, and content
0: so dictates form. Exactly. Yeah, thank
1: you. Thank you. Uh, so it's, it's very similar to that. And I, I I I like it great. I'm so glad you said that. That is one of my personal favorite songs. And it's really creatively brave of them to close act one that way um, for something like Shrek the musical, where you'd expect yes. it to be like this big, especially like the movies has a famous scene where. Uh, Bandit Robin Hood and his bandits try to Kidnap Fiona and she has this big like karate Matrix joke scene where she mm-hmm. fights Them like they could have made that the act One finale where you know there's a big Dance break and she kicks ass uh, But they They close it on a much softer Much more humane note And I love that because you know They're good fighters I'd share my heart confess the things I yearn and Do it all But we all learn. But we all learn. An ogre always hides. An ogre's fate is known. An ogre always stays in the dark and all alone. So, yes, I'd be a hero. And if For every time that I would get annoyed with Shrek the Musical, watching it on Netflix, and again, it tended to be the moments where it pushed um there would be moments like who i'd be or even uh i mean i know it's today is what, another favorite song of mine i love how they show the passage of time but also again has these moments of where it's both very funny and clever but then also very human uh there's a great point towards the end of i know it's today all the three fionas do their three part harmony which i uh, i don't <gasps> care who yeah, i don't care who you are i don't care how esoteric you are if you do not get a jolt of musical theater thrill from all three of them going, it's Then you're Fiona. dead inside. Uh, you are dead inside. That it's me Fiona into then I know he'll appear. Um, and then they're each singing their, uh, how many days they've been waiting. Cause the whole point of, I know it's today, right? Is, you know, it's, she's yeah. in the tower for 20 plus years. And each time we see her at a different age, she goes, today's the day I know it. And they count the day. And we get the tally from Sun, which is the, I don't even remember the actual number. It's day number, 4,000 something. It's its something like that, uh, 4,000 something in 23 indicating like 20 plus years. And the way that it's written and the way that Sun performs, it is so like tired and almost sad because it's just been so long. And they, it's really, I hate to use the word again cause it sounds so overused but brave to like have that moment of, of just quiet introspection to really let the audience know before we end on a big money note here because we're gonna end on a money note because we need it but before we do that we want to really drive home to you guys how long this woman has been waiting and what it's doing to her psyche and to her self-esteem and to everything. I know it's today. I know I know it's today. I know I know know it's today. I know it's today. I I like it. I like it very
0: much. I do too. I do too. Um I was gonna say something about that. I uh I had the good fortune of um the, the Drama League honored Sutton a couple of years ago. It was a pre-pandemic honored Sutton Foster for, for their whole like annual fundraiser thing. And uh, my wife who's a director, was directing it. Um, I had prior to that worked with them on two other galas, just kind of like cobbling music together and maybe substituting like parody lyrics and stuff like that. So it's sort of like a music supervisor sort of thing. Um, and because I was married to the director this time, I got I got to do it as well. Uh, so I was sort of on board for that in the meetings. And we saw that number. And I just remember that like, two younger Fiona's had come back to do a thing and like like they had done like I think I think what they had redone was I know it's today and I just I just just had, sort of had this moment of like you know when you see somebody something like on celluloid or, or in video in digital form at a certain age and then they kind of like grow into like a human being like a full a person um, and then you sort of imagine like that full person doing the thing that they did as a kid and and how it would be different and how it would be the same but like and and then you think about somebody like Sutton Foster who is essentially ageless um like it, it was just this really like uh transcendent moment I guess is really all I can I, I can describe I was, yeah I was like wow I, got... I looked over at my wife and was like you worked with them right she's like yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh no I would have peed myself I just I yeah she's just the best i mean going in a totally different direction with this show and her character and the score this might be the only musical where two characters fall in love via flatulence
0: i mean i it, it has to be it, it it couldn't possibly not be right well
1: it's i it's not the first musical to use flatulence in a song i believe that honor goes to south park bicker longer done cut
0: okay fair fair
1: fair fair yes. um, at least using flatulence rhythmically speaking. Yes. Um but but it definitely is the first one really yeah it has to be the first one that uses it for romantic purposes. Um mm. and I mean I even like it here. This is honestly all the Fiona Shrek stuff in this show works very well for me. Uh mm. it tends to be the supporting characters. I know like people really love Lord Farquaad in the show and Chris Sieber does a very good job and you well, know why wouldn't
0: they love him? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the fairy tale characters are characters that everybody knows, but it those are actually the scenes that don't hit as hard for me it is truly the stuff that is character based with the two of them that I just really go this is very well structured well-written musical theater um
0: and the and genuine the- tragedy when he hears her in the forest and just completely misconstrues what she's saying because he takes it out of context like that mm. is that is Aristotelian tragedy to a, you know to a definition to the to t- um which is like we don't we don't Get that in contemporary yeah. theater, you know. Like we don't, we don't get that as often as, as I would like. So yeah. I'm
1: sorry. Let's continue. So I, I want your input on this as well. So this is the I think I got you beat song, which uh, yes. Act Two, where they are where they are comparing um, traumas. Pity parties, yeah, okay. Pity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, who gets the largest medal for their trauma? Which okay. is very uh, relevant because that is what a lot of people do today. Luckily, they do it for more comedic purposes. They don't go that deep, but there is a great moment because they each talk about, you know, she was in isolation. His parents kicked him out of the house and then they go into counterpoint, which Janine loves to do. Um, (laughs) She does it quite a few times in Shrek, actually. But Janine loves a good counterpoint. She loves a good mashup because she did start her career off as an arranger and music director. So she's got a good ear for that of how to write stuff that can just coexist and. The, it's something that you can only really get away with in musical theater in terms of the economy and driving home the point so simply and uh, emphatically is when they sing at the exact same time, I miss my prom, my dad and mom sent me away and they have a beat and they realize they have something in common. <laughs> and then it goes quiet and, they, and it, it, it just takes that one line for everyone to sort of go, we know what just yeah. happened. It was really powerful. And then it goes funny again because they start repeating the chorus quietly, but they're not really trying to prove a point anymore. And then as it gets, as it builds and builds and builds, Shrek cuts one, just lets it rip. And we think, oh, the moment's ruined. But no, Sutton oh. bends over like the goddess she is, lets it rip. And then it turns straight into uh, South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. And I like it very much. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Do you know, I actually bumped on something different about that number, which I'm so glad you pointed that out uh, because I need to go back and and see and and watch it again. Um, But like, when I was just listening to the verse material of Mm -hmm. this song, I kept, I kept seeing the structure of it, like on the page, do you know? And it wouldn't really stick in my mind. The reason being uh, the composer always subverts it. Like, one of the things that I, I think ma- like sets like her apart, like next levels her from most other composers doing the same thing is that like, she'll take something and kind of, she'll. I want to say Christopher Walken it. Do you, do you get that reference?
1: I think so. Can, continue I'm see if I can make the, okay. connect to that.
0: So the dots. So the reason I say that is because I guess, uh, apocryphally, I don't, I've never seen this interview but somebody asked him, what's the first thing you do when you get a script? And he says, take out all the punctuation. Like that's literally, What he does is take punctuation out of the screen. Mark Cowbell, yes. He has a fever. Mark yeah. Um, And so, like, she'll kind of, like, instead of give, like, a melody that really, like, puts those lyrics in the pocket, which we know she can do. She's done it, you know, there are examples of it in this score. Uh, She kind of, like, deconstructed that verse material and kind of just fit it into her groove um and so i just i was trying to you know imagine it on a page and, I, and it really i couldn't get it to cement because because the music kept on uh, deliberately disagreeing with it and i was just like this is so fucking cool um <laughs> yeah and you know she does that a lot too like i don't i know we're not talking about uh uh soft power uh with yet fingers crossed it comes broadway love that show uh, but she does a lot uh, does a lot of it there too um and it's just like uh, god like i wish i could do that i I see something and it's if it's not like kind of cookie cutter, I just I don't I don't I don't even know. Hmm. Um, but like wow, like I was like this is this just keeps me listening, it keeps me paying attention. You know, I try mm-hmm. to anticipate I'm always wrong and therefore I'm more invested. And then the farts and you're like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: absolutely no i think that's that's very uh insightful and you listen to when you do eventually uh watch the seattle video or some of the songs from the seattle video it's important to know like some some of the songs that make it to broadway don't totally crystallized yet like you know who i'd be hasn't fully crystallized in seattle uh there's another one that doesn't really oh donkey pot pie which now is a song called forever but the dragon they never really knew what to do with it was originally one actress and a giant puppet then they made it three actresses for broadway which i still don't understand uh i mean maybe just because janine's like i really like three-part harmonies she's like the radio is my favorite thing to compose for in carolina change fair yeah, she she can she can write all the harmony she wants. She's Janine Tesori.
0: I, I, mean- I, I looked at that that as a sort of a, a band aid, though, like the, the other problem. You know, you take a giant iconic dragon like that who's supposed to fall in love with donkey and have, has like her own uh, like agency. And mm-hmm. then you replace her on stage with a puppet that doesn't really get to move, doesn't really get to do anything. Like you need to give us something else to kind of snack on. Mm-hmm. So you give it, you know, three-part harmonies and a fantastic book list and blah blah. I mean, that's I don't know if that any of that's real or not, but I, yeah, I was sort of like, that's probably. Yeah,
1: I think you're right. They were trying to find a way to make the puppet more engaging, mm-hmm. since because it is this giant thing it's that was also a... so, so cumbersome. Yeah. Uh, and they they what they ended up doing with like the mirror. For the magic mirror with John Tartaglia, it was like it was the magic mirror at first, and like he came out at one point, oh. and I feel like that's what they tried to do with the dragon, and it didn't work as well
0: okay. because
1: w- whereas with like John Tartag- Tartaglia, it like the mask and the mirror didn't stay up there while he came out on stage, whereas with the dragon, like that puppet is still standing mm. there, huge as all hell. Um, you really needed to kind of think a little more outside the box in terms of the design of that, and I think again that's something that was. One of the hindrances to the Broadway production is, while there was so much creativity that went into, the, I think the score, I felt there was less creativity in the design. I mean, that three-part turntable is cool, but like the the rest of the design was pretty literal. Um, and and the costume designs too. And in fact, uh, going on for a second about like sort of the aftermath of this show. Ben Brantley's review of it in the New York Times was the show actually got a pretty interesting array of reviews when I went back in my research because I think people like to think oh this was so underappreciated and that's up to interpretation but its reviews were relatively positive with considering this was another.
0: He didn't like it though did he?
1: He didn't really like it no but Uh. considering this was another cartoon to Broadway transfer you would think Oh god, like I'm sure the critics just slaughtered it. They didn't really. A lot of the critics acknowledged that it was better than a lot of the other ones that had come to Broadway before this. And Bradley even said so he's like, it's better than Mermaid, it's better than Tarzan. But that's not saying much because those shows blow. But um, <laughs> Br- I mean, the thing that Bradley liked most was Sutton. Uh, and his his reviews of Sutton and his reviews of Janine's shows are interesting because he gets more complimentary as time goes on. Because the first show Janine, stories he ever reviewed was Violet, which he didn't really like very much. And then he hated Millie. And then he sort of respectfully disliked Carolina change. And then with Shrek, he was like, listen, not my cup of tea, but they did better than I thought they would. And then Fun Home, he's like, oh my God, best musical of the year. And Sunday was sort of the same thing. Like Millie, he didn't really care for her. Little Women, he's like, I don't care for her, but I like her more than I did in Millie. Drowsy Chaperone onwards, he's like, I like her, I like her. And then Shrek, he's like, Broadway star. Um, and he, and he even mentions like some songs he thinks works, but the, the point I'm, I wanted to make was he talked about how, what makes it so, it's so difficult to translate a cartoon to stage is what felt so light, uh, light and fluid and airy on film just becomes like thuds on stage. Cause it's in human form and it's real and it has a weight to it because there's you, there's so much you can't do. With real live it's human beings. Flat. Yes, very flat. No. And it doesn't matter how much you make Brian Darcy James look like the cartoon, he can't move in the same way that an animator can make Shrek move. And and this, the sets can't uh, be as seamless as you want them to be. It's all just so heavy. And I feel like it would have behooved them to go even further away design wise from what people might've known it might, it, it could have also bit them in the ass that way as well. But, you know, I think of something like Julie Tamor and Lion King, where she really kind of just went so far in the other direction and it totally worked.
0: Right. Right. Right.
1: Um, but I also, but also after she did that Disney tried to continue going that, they're like okay let's find someone the last person you'd ever expect to direct a broadway musical get them in here francesca zambello who only does operas let's get her to do mermaid bob crowley only designed sets let's get him to do tarzan It bites them in the ass and so mm-hmm. everyone's starting to go uh maybe we bring back people who know how to direct musicals and we go with what people expect on a broadway stage and we call it a day so you know you go you swing back and forth with that pendulum it's so uh, interesting
0: for- I'm sorry go ahead.
1: No sorry I was I'm please talk about what I was about to say was I forgot where we were before I went on this on this rant. Oh,
0: we were I mean we were just talking about um the set in that space and yeah. um and I and you know we had before we started recording I uh, had uh shared kind of had similar feelings about watching it in that space like my takeaway and this is completely um well I'll, I'll start my takeaway was I didn't enjoy it in that space because that space was actually too big. I felt like they were trying too hard to fill it, uh, mm. what was an otherwise very like intimate story. Um, and it occurred to me that maybe the plan had been, which I later found out was incorrect, but I'll say this anyways, the plan had been let's make a show that schools and community theaters will license the crap out of and 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 put it on a broadway stage so that we can have that like that seal of that broadway seal that nice fresh pretty seal Um, but it'll like really like be a thing that everybody gets to do. Um, Because it felt like it was just sort of it was begging to be scaled down It was begging to be more intimate, in in my opinion, Um, and then you know that's when I that's when I texted David and I was like hey was. Was that ever like on your on your your agenda? It was like let's let's just hit Broadway, but like let's let's make sure you know because I had I had asked him how often does this get done like in schools now, and he gave me his numbers and and it was pretty impressive still, um, and uh, uh, and I was like, was that was that always the plan to like kind of make it a hit elsewhere? Um, and he's like, no, no, no. We, we wanted to write a Broadway show, and and we did, and and he, and they did, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was I was incorrect. But like, I, I, I feel like that theater too, like the Broadway. Theater, it's huge. It's it's so huge. Fucking King Kong was there. Do you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so like s- something like this, it it seems like it would want to be on a stage, really a really big stage, but like it kind it almost felt like a like a, what's the word? Um, I guess diminishing returns is really the closest thing I'm thinking of because like Mm. you have all these little characters and filling up this huge space and they're all these little one-liners, right? And I'm kind of like missing a lot of them because I don't really know where to look or where to focus. Then you have this giant, giant dragon, but you have three voices underneath it. And I still, again, I don't really know where to look. And like, it was just sort of a lot of like, gosh, I just wish this was smaller. I wish this was smaller. I wish, you know, there wasn't this this uh, pressure to put on stage what was on, you know, celluloid, um, which I think is kind of what you're saying, right? Like, oh, absolutely, we're having yeah. different responses or different different thinking of different workarounds or whatever for the same. We're responding to the same thing. This is what. I think.
1: Yeah. No. You're. I think what's interesting is your so your idea of sort of what the ultimate plan was. I think. It can feel that way because obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And then, and you look at the larger picture of it. And I mean, you know, when you write stuff, it's hard sometimes to see what's so obviously there because you're so in the thick of it, right? Especially mm-hmm. these guys, they've been working on the show for years. All this money's invested. They're out of town. They're doing tech. Like at some point you can't see the forest for the trees anymore. And I mean, I know that they had uh, some different, Broadway people come to Seattle to sort of take a look at the show and tell them, give them insight. And one of the major things they did was they really kind of streamlined the book because I think the show was clocking it at almost three hours when they started in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and watching the Seattle video, which I think was pretty still early in the run uh, and then seeing Broadway, they again, some of the changes were smart. Like the whole opening number used to be longer because it was like, when the parents sang to him, it was all just them. And then he went on his way. And they're like, well, what if while they're singing to him, he goes on his way. That's like mm-hmm. two minutes right there that we've cut. And other things that just, you know, you know, like get back to the story, get back to the story. And that all is well and good. But two things that uh, you just reminded me of when you were talking. Uh, I swear this wasn't me going, I have a thought. Let me wait till it's my turn. I was listening and you made me think of something. One is, it is is an intimate story, because a lot of the show is really just a three-person road trip, right? And then the other thing is that it's hard to, the show, it's supposed to be like an underdog story, right? Like, it's not a fairy tale itself, it's sort of the anti-fairy tale. like, uh, Like, what if you live, like, what if a regular person woke up one day and they were in a fairy tale? Like, how would they respond? And wouldn't that be weird? So it's not necessarily a magical story. It just has people who are a part of those things. So it's hard to kind of root for an underdog story when you see $40 million up on stage and all this technology, technologically savvy shit going on. You're like, I can't buy that you're the underdog. It feels like you're part of the system. Because you look so expensive. Yeah, you look <laughs> yeah. so expensive. And I mean, th- again, there's nothing wrong with expensive, but I, I agree with you. Like, I oh, think- yeah. And the Broadway is a huge theater. I think the two things that work well in that theater are trying to true spectacle or overly emotional musicals that's why lame Miz, the original production fits so well there because that show is just three and a half hours of mellow drama it is people feeling all their feelings and it fits there because you know it hits the back wall it's why the movie is kind of preposterous because they try to make it intimate and you're like well this seems silly now <laughs> you buy it much more an 1800 C theater when you see the whole bigger picture shrek should have been in some place like um like the neil simon or even like the or the august wilson theater where it's you know 1,300 seats maybe, and it's like a medium-sized musical. And you can have all this invention in there, but you don't want it to seem bloated. It needs to be lean, and it needs to be uh, up close, and it needs to feel like we're all on the same level of the inside joke. Sing a song, hit the trail. Forget the maps, forget the guides. Before you know it, you've made strides with me. And I know all I need all along. Is a path and a pal and a song. So I'm singing and I'm palling with you. See, makes the time go by faster. Why me? Why me?
0: This is nice. me- That's such an interesting uh, point you make because I actually, I, I mean, I'm going to kind of an unsequitur. I had gone to see Honeymoon in Vegas when I was at Paper Mill mm-hmm. and I was like, this is begging to be huge. Right. And then they transferred and moved into the Nederlander and they had to downsize it because it was small and probably like you know, th- they're going to pay for what they're going to pay for and what they, what they have. So, like, that's, that's, that's not, you know, I've never had a Broadway show, so I don't mean to, like, but it was, it was noticeably smaller and more intermittent. And I was like, no, 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 I want this bigger. I want this, like, bigger and larger. And it's so interesting that you when, 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 when I think of Broadway, it's always just, like, it goes to 11, right? Mm. But, like, even at that level, there are some things that are too big and some things that are too small. And, and I just think that's really fun and interesting and, and cool.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it for me, it's the people for me, you know, like on uh, on the internet, people are like, it's the such and such for me, sis. Like f- f- there are people who have like hardcore rules that they think Broadway should be. And it was very fascinating in the era in which Diana was on Broadway. Now, I don't know your thoughts on Diana. I'd love it. Not because it is good, but because it is Diana. And I had some conversations with some people about it because I've been very vocal on, on social media about my love of the show. But I always thought I was pretty transparent about my love being like, no, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I'm obsessed with it. This is mommy dearest on stage level of camp and people going, but it's just so Broadway. It's got all this dancing and big, bright sets and hummable songs. I'm like, First of all, all Broadway is supposed to be is the cornerstone of art and commerce. It's supposed to be the highest level of, like, well, of uh, fully formed shows that can also be you know sold to the masses, I suppose, but also like it, you know, have innovation and 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 all that other good stuff. Broadway is not like specifically chorus lines, high belting, right. and bright sets, every show is different and what it needs is different. So yeah, like Honeymoon in Vegas, that would have been a show that would have benefited from being a little larger, a little flashier, a little brighter. Shrek was on that should have been smaller. It's all about timing. It's, it's, it's so crazy how like the one s- decision that seems, you know, inconsequential at the time could really make or break it.
0: It's true. And and when you, when you I don't know if you have any friends who produce Broadway or, or have written for Broadway, but when you hear the stories about how, how they get to decide, like, what 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 show goes in what house? I mean, mm. it's well, it just seems like like not chaos, but like a situation over which no creative force has any say, which yep. makes it all the more like that anything succeeds at all is kind of like how did you do that? Because there's there's so many variables, you know. Um, I was going to say something, you remind me of something um that now I cannot remember, so never mind. Good morning birds, good morning trees, oh what a lovely day, the sun's so big it hurts my eyes, but really that's okay, a brand new day with the to do so many plans to make I've had six cups of coffee so I'm really wide awake I've always been a morning person a morning girl
1: what is a song in the show that you maybe think is less successful
0: um that's a good question uh, I did find that there were a few that Weren't what I wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, what oh, a wonderful way to word I, that. <laughs> I was going to say actually, what I what I forgot was I was going to say about Diana is the thing that I appreciate most about it, and I and I and I I, I, I tried to see it three different times. I, I've seen it exactly once. Um, but uh, full full disclosure, I'm a I'm a Tony voter, which means I like when they you can ask to go back and see. so I mm-hmm. made several attempts after seeing it at um, invited dress to go see it again, because I really thoroughly enjoyed it, um, is that it knows exactly what it is. Like, like you know, uh, it, it, it doesn't claim to be anything that it's not. And, and that's the thing that, like, is my sort of true north in terms of e- evaluating or appreciate. Like, how do if I don't know how to appreciate something, I ask myself, what is it trying to be? What does it tell me? What is it telling me it is? And And how, and, and how does what I perceive of it differ from that, if that makes sense? Make it makes
1: absolute sense, Timothy. Um. I'm gonna need to meet you in person, get a drink with you, because I need to discuss with you whether Diana does know what it is or not. <laughs> because I, there are times when I think it is totally in 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 line with what it's trying to do, and times where I'm like, I don't think you're doing what you think you're doing. But it's weird. It's, th- it's the times where I don't think it's doing what it thinks it's doing that I love it the most. But okay. But 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 uh, I I absolutely hear you. I saw I'll Diana. I saw Diana on Netflix, I then saw it in previews and then I saw their second to last performance. I didn't get to go to their last performance because I had tickets to oh. Lehman trilogy and they announced their closing like a week before they were closing and I was yeah. devastated. But I went to the second to last show.
0: Um, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you, it's it's a lot more uh, clo- like the two things of what it's trying to be and what it's claiming to be are a lot closer now in, in New York than yeah. I think when it was in San Diego.
1: I'll say that. That is what I, I meant to understand. but. What I, The one thing I will say about Diana, and we're not going to talk about Diana anymore because we're running out of time and we got to finish talking about Trek. I don't think Diana is good, but it is never boring. it It is so strong and wrong the entire time that it is so ins- insanely watchable. Anyone I know who was like, oh, I couldn't get through it on Netflix. I'm like, how could you look away? Because there are shows out there that are bad. The one that I will always have no qualms shitting on, everyone knows this, is Finding Neverland. Where like, you can be bad, but don't waste my time. I, Mm. if I'm looking at this stage and going like, this is a cash grab. You're just trying to put a movie on stage. You did nothing. Another one was pretty woman where I'm like, you literally put the screenplay on stage and gave it pop songs that mean nothing. I'm like, don't waste my time here. Those are my
0: favorite musical. No, I'm kidding.
1: And this podcast is over. Uh, Diana, never waste your time. Shrek, I think, is sort of half and half. There are times where I go, oh, this is really interesting. This is fascinating. We kind of talked about it with, you know, like Donkey Pot Pie with the dragon, like not really fully there. And I don't know if they ever would have been able to. I think that's just sort of one of the limitations of stage. Uh,
0: I mean. I think it's a combination of the limitations of stage and what stage audiences will allow to be done on stage. Right. So because like. Do you remember? I didn't see the show, but the woman in white—that Andrew Lloyd Webber thing—that was uh-huh. apparently all on screens. Yeah, like when it hit, like nobody wanted that, right? But like fast forward to 2020, suddenly like there are a lot. Like uh Dear Evan Hansen really like uses screens really really well, um, and and other other shows like that's just the first of the pops. Up, but like I feel like our tolerance level for certain things. Uh, changes as as we mature and as uh, as aesthetics change and whatnot so like i feel like it's very probable like Im- imagine if they tried to to remount this today maybe they wouldn't go with a puppet yeah you know? like maybe it would be something else or whatever who knows
1: but i i think also um like any you know person or creative person when you have more experience with the toy you are you have more confidence with it and are able to try new things with it so right. like with woman in white in the projections. I think the whole thing was the gimmick that like, it's all projections and everyone's like, but it also looks like a screensaver, and it's not done very in, like inventively. And now, a the technology has improved, but also I think designers are becoming more creative with yeah. things like projection, learning how to incorporate into sets
0: and find new ways to you know make it interesting. Uh, I the best way, total sidebar is the, the the best use of screens I've seen in, in recent years is the share show, and you know I will buy on to say Just
1: <laughs> Oh, the share show! She was so share. I, w- I went to go see that and I was disappointed. It wasn't about Cher Horowitz and Clueless. I was misled. Uh,
0: uh,
1: I was misled. Such a missed opportunity. Such a missed opportunity. <laughs> um, You know what song I actually really enjoy? And I wish it got more love because when you listen to it, I think because David Lindsay, bear's lyrics are so good. I will say, I think this is his first musical. Yeah. yeah? For a first yeah. musical. Like I think he's written some pretty damn good lyrics. Uh,
0: well, I when guess you can... you can do that when you're a genius. <clears throat> I guess so. Oops. Sorry
1: about it. But Travel Song has some really great lyrics in it. My my personal favorite is this ass of mine is asinine. I think that's so fucking
0: clever. I
1: threw my shoe across that's the room. You.
0: Do you remember that? I mean, we're all sort of playing Wordle now, but do you remember that game Words with Friends? Mm hmm. So, um, um, many years back, I challenged David, Lindsay, to David Pair do a game of words with friends, <clears throat> and um, he like slaughtered me. And I thought to myself, oh, "I'm just, I'm just not in the zone. I'll, I'll try this again. Challenge him again. Slaughters me again. Third time, I'm like, okay, okay, you can do this. You're a lyricist, Tim. You can do this. No, 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 no. Three times he wiped my ass. He like tripled my score. I mean, it was, it was not even. I was never even in the game. Um, and, and then you
1: remembered, amazing. oh, this is a man who wrote a play about anagrams.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Then I remembered. I mean, like, uh, God, this guy is just, ah. Uh, uh, I love him. I do. I love that great. I'm friends with him. He's too I'm, fucking smart. Fuck you, David uh, Lindsay Bear. Just I love kidding. that you're friends <laughs> with him, too. That makes me think highly of you. Oh. I'm not friends that with he, David Lindsay Bear. That, that he's friends with me is what should make you think highly of him. I'm definitely a charity case when it comes to David Lindsay Bear. I mean, I've been enjoying you thoroughly.
1: I can see why he's friends with you. I'm just saying, like, I don't know him none. I but, it clearly means something good. Um, not, not for nothing,
0: but I invited him to crash this uh, this Zoom, and uh, and he was like, <laughs> "No, no, man, I'd be too scared to do it."
1: That's <laughs> because he listened to my cat's episode, and he went, "Oh God, Matt's gonna say the meanest things to me." And I'm like, "No, I really loved Kimberly Akimbo at the Atlantic. I can't wait till it comes to Broadway." I cannot wait till it comes to Broadway. Yeah, oh. it's going to be so good. Yeah, it's pieces. so good. Ah. Uh, I okay. I know we're talking about this track, but um, the I mean, Bonnie Milligan's first song in Kimberly Akimbo, where she's singing about like you know you basically have to like con your way through life. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact words, and I really hate quoting things when I don't know the exact words of it. But she's singing to Kimberly about all the different people she's come across in her life that she's basically duped. And one was a dude and one was an older woman. And when she talked about the dude, she has the list, she was like, he was, uh, he was uh, cute. He was sweet. He was probably gay. And then <laughs> the older woman, she would goes, uh, she was she was old she was rich she was legally blind and I, just, <laughs> I, I i sat behind jane kasmaric and both of us guffawed at the legally blind moment it was so fun to like watch an audience just lose their mind over really clever genuinely funny lyrics oh man
0: uh, i mean he's just she's I mean, just just in terms of he has the total mastery over words I mean who else would be like, well, let me save you all some time. gay straight straight get like that. That is the funniest thing. I've, so, I... so funny. And that's not in
1: the in the play, because the play doesn't have the like teen chorus. So that was straight for the musical. Another thing I love is they're like, let's expand this and truly make this a musical. Yeah. Um, okay, let's we got to start wrapping things up because we both have hard outs and we haven't even really mm discuss everything I wanted to talk about. But again, this no, is a companion so piece. No, we t- I think we talked about certain things very in depth as opposed to discussing the whole show kind of shallowly. We discussed a three or four points very in depth. And I think that is what makes this episode special, Timothy. Oh, um, well, thank you. So I did mention you know, the show opened in 2008 for the 2009 Tony Awards, a variety of reviews, some mixed, some positive, some negative, uh, running a little over a year. It was nominated for eight Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Best Score. Do you know what it was up against for musical that year of 2009, Mr. Tony Voter?
0: Well, I wasn't a voter in 2009. I was a, I was. Know your history. Dude. Uh, know where you came man, from. 2009.
1: One is a I'm British saying. import. Okay. Um, There's a lot of dance in it. And children.
0: Wait, 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 wait,
1: wait. I want to dance the ballet, dad.
0: Oh, it's Billy Billy Elliot.
1: Anyone who's listened to the Billy Elliot episode will know my friend Chelsea Williams and I have a bit where we quote Billy Elliot, but it's not actually in Billy Elliot. It's our own made up quote from the show. (laughs) I want to dance the ballet, dad. You can't dance the ballet, Billy. (laughs) It's it's, it's not anywhere in the show, but it's. That was one of of the shows
0: that I loved the movie so much. I didn't. I couldn't bring myself to see the show and i regret it because tom holland was a billy Elliot. yes he holland. yes
1: he was i might have actually seen him as billy elliott i don't know i saw it at the time he was in the show uh billy elliott's a good show great movie very good show uh, the other show it's up against uh next normal and rock of ages rock of ages famously not eligible for score so it's up against miss dolly parton and nine two five hmm uh, it loses all but one, Tony. They win for costume design, which I don't necessarily agree with. Okay. I think they won for most costume design.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, but alas, not up to me. Uh, so f- some random questions for you, Mr. Timothy. Uh, the Tesori tune. What is your favorite
0: yes. song in this show? I mean, I got to say Freak Flag is probably uh, the easiest answer. Um,
1: where gingerbread I mean, man exclaims that he's an Aries.
0: <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean are, are we talking about like the song, the song in and of itself? Like, Are we are we including lyrical content? Are we talking about just music? Are we talking about like, you know, whether how well it serves the moment? Like these okay. are all different ways. Yeah, to so, okay, let's, we can break this down into some categories
1: because it's true, especially with Janine, it's never just one. What is the song you maybe bop out to the most, the song that you perhaps have the most lyrical or musical appreciation for, and then what do you think really kind of uh, enacts musical theater the best? So, for example, I probably bop out to um, Morning Person the most, just because it's like so Partridge Family 70s. I think Who I'd Be is the most dramatically compelling musical theater one with mm-hmm. i know it's today a close second lyrically travel song i think is just absolutely bonkers brilliant uh but musically i mean i'd probably say uh i know it's today i think i know it's today is musically really well done and then of course the rhythm of uh i got you beat you just can't beat that flatulence
0: yeah i mean i like i'm kind of in agreement with all this i i i <sighs>
1: <laughs> I mean I do have perfect taste so if you just don't agree with all of it it's fine but you, you did you you, you you did mention freak flag so which is I a did. bop she's a bop but I just for some reason the fairy tale characters I don't come back to as often
0: I don't I don't either I mean there I guess I mean this is interesting something that I did want to, to talk about when you asked me about like um, you asked me about some moments that, that didn't work mm. uh, I, I you know I'm, I'm not a genius I like, I like what I like. I'm not Janine sorry. Um, so it's very, it's very weird. It feels a little disingenuous for me to be critical about you know, anything. That said, there are mo- like, I, I really appreciate that in this score, she will think um, horizontally as often as she thinks vertically, if that makes sense. Explain to me. Um, she'll put an emphasis on melody horizontally as often as she'll put an emphasis on verticality harmony right mm. um, like like front and centered but like the thing like and, and, and it, you know I think it, I mean I'm not her so I, and, I, and I, I don't know her so I haven't asked her this but um, I think if I'm if I'm thinking it seems to me that when she does it vertically what she's really doing is trying to get out of everyone's way like, yeah. there's a lot of noise, let's just like, get out of the way and let the, let the performance be the center, let the character be the center, let the lyric be the, whatever that is. Um, and I find that in those and and that's like the most generous thing that a composer can do, is not wheel themselves onto something. Um, but I find in this particular piece, the moments that didn't really work for me were those moments where she's thinking horizontally or vertically instead of horizontally. Um, and and they, they all happen to fall on these big ensemble fairy tale creature numbers interestingly enough yeah uh, at least from my memory of having screened it once over two nights um because i have a two-year-old child
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i mean because there's also an irony to the fairy tale character songs like story of my life is a very you know kind of rolling of the eyes kind of song intentionally so and she i don't know if it's that they don't reach the potential or if I just don't gravitate towards that kind of stuff because listening to it I was like, I mean, they they do the assignment, they do the song that is asked of them there. I don't know, I can't think of them doing it better. Um, I I don't find ironic musical theater songs to be all that uh, worthy of listening. Yeah. So I think that's just my own personal taste. Um, Next question. <clears throat> give me give me a revival please who would you like to see in this show and we already kind of talked about this bit but how would you like to see it done
0: oh that's i mean god that's i you're gonna be so dissatisfied because i haven't thought about these and i'm a slow like i need to think about these things um i think that honest to god uh, a revival with bonnie milligan would fucking rock my world i really i mean I mean, I don't know if, if you saw um the Go Go's musical, the uh, uh,
1: I did, Head Over Heels, yeah.
0: Head Over Heels. I I loved I loved that show so much. And I can't believe like I can't I I I cannot believe she didn't get nominated. I I was so like, I wanted to vote for Savannah. So <laughs> <laughs> you were ready too. I Got was so ready. <laughs> I was so ready. Um I think uh God, who would be a good Shrek? See, that's that's tough because I'm not sure I love that character. Like, does that make sense? Like, I, yeah. You know, you
1: well, know. I think if we've, so like, let's think of it for a second. Black box, no set, no costumes, just like actors, right? Right, right, um, right. right. That, then I'm starting to think of, you know, who would play well off of Bonnie? Who do I see singing who I'd be? And like getting the gruffness, but then also the the fragility the toxic masculinity if you will
0: I, I know um, that like I'm a person of color and I write for people of color but the mm-hmm. first person that pops into my head is Josh Gad
1: yeah he would, yeah. he'd be pretty good um I mean part, but I would I would I love to hear Joshua Henry sing who I'd be 100 do I think he could do the more comedic elements I don't know we have not been allowed to see that part of him yet uh okay,
0: full confession I got to Josh Gad via josh henry so <laughs> of course I, you did i, didn't josh, wanna, I was
1: like yeah. Yeah. josh and josh josh and josh uh yeah well so i was actually trying to think so for some reason raymond lee has been on my brain a lot because i'm a big groundhog day fan and i think he's i thought he was so funny in the show. i saw groundhog day three times and i remember his scene the nobody cares scene i loved his deadpan comic delivery i think his voice is insane i was like he'd make a good donkey i would love to see what he would do with donkey
0: you know, I I I know Ray. Uh, I've worked with Ray. Uh, he would slay donkey. Um, I think so. I'm at a place now where all I want to do is cast Ray in strong romantic leads. Then make him yeah. Shrek. Yeah,
1: I, make I him mean, Shrek.
0: I think, I, I think that that's right. Yes.
1: Yeah. I don't. I don't mind. He's talented enough. I think the reason I put him down for donkey is because while I love Daniel Breaker, I mean, I, when Shrek was coming to Broadway and he replaced. Uh, Chester Gregory James out of town I was so obsessed with passing strangers like let's see what he does and then it was I was a little disappointed he was kind of doing an Eddie Murphy impression mm-hmm. Uh, which again fair in all fairness like Eddie Murphy was so well known in the role you're kind mm-hmm. of stuck in that mold someone like Ray I feel like would be able to break out of that box a bit would be able to think of new That's things true. Um, but uh, not just him like there are so many other really strong comedic actors out there Um, but yeah I Let's put Ray and I Struck, Ray and Bonnie together. I'll I'll see that in our streamlined, stripped down has some fantastical elements to the design, but isn't overblown. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna put it in the Lyceum Theater. <laughs> see how that goes. Um, next question: Raise me up. Do you think the show was properly appreciated when it came out? Properly appreciated. Whether <laughs> I meaning you think the uh, re- response was accurate to what was there.
0: I mean, I, this, I think that if I have any criticism over theater as an industry in general and, mm-hmm. and, and the creative minds that are, are being, the creative voices that are being heard in, in the Broadway uh, space, I would say that like my criticism would be that they almost never see the forest for the trees. It's, it's always about cult of personality. It's always about like, you know, This is how i'm feeling about the worlds today so this is something that i'm going to identify with this this piece of of theaters is is what i'm going to identify with regardless of whether uh, of of its actual quality you you know and its quality might be great i'm just saying that's always going to be an afterthought because i feel like we're always looking at like like we we just can't focus on the on the things that matter if that makes sense absolutely Um, i say that as somebody who knows too many like writers who've been overlooked who continue to be overlooked. Um, you know, I, I say that as a writer's project, much no. Um, uh, so, so did, did it get, what was the question again?
1: Do we think it was properly appreciated when properly it first appreciate. came out?
0: No, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't think anything is properly appreciated when it first comes around for mm. better or worse.
1: Well, I mean, not for nothing, but this whole series, Janine's whole history on Broadway, you could argue, you know, she was not properly appreciated Mm -hmm. when her shows came out. Fun Home is really the first show she has that opens on Broadway where, like, the critics immediately go, yes, no, this is good. A lot of them, it takes them a while. And it's a shame because, I mean, again, with Shrek, uh, Brantley's review was sort of mixed, leaning towards negative. He sort of begrudgingly admits it's better than he thought it would be but I think he can't bring himself to give a positive review to a show like this. And it, and what makes it a shame is like, yes, we discussed the things that don't work for us, things that we thought maybe were hindering the material as well, but there is a lot of good here. Still um, there. Like there, this is a genuinely good score. Uh, you know, with the original cast has some very strong performances in it and that should be acknowledged and it's a shame that it really wasn't at the time. And I'm hoping now, especially as we mentioned before, like all the schools and regional theaters and community theaters that are doing it, people are recognizing that there's merit to it. Um, you know, so yeah, I think that's yeah. happening.
0: I, 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 this I think goes in line with my thoughts about like taking something on its own terms too. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they, if this show is, outrageously consistent in terms of what it's trying to be and versus what it's telling us it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, like any any piece that knows exactly what it is that, that doesn't lie about it kind of kind of deserves, I think, our attention and the benefit of the doubt, you know? Um, so anyways. Fully agree.
1: No, fully agreed. And then um, final question, Caroline it or change it? Is there anything in this show that you'd wanna <laughs> Alter.
0: brilliant.
1: Um, <laughs> this, I'm an this, idiot. Pro, this production or this show? Um the show. Like if there was a song that you would like, let's say you were the director and you sat down with Janine and, and Dave and you're like, guys, great here, great here. It's like I think we could maybe try better on this one. Uh yeah. is there anything yeah. here that you would caroline or change? Uh,
0: yeah. Uh there um honestly, story of my life is yeah. one that I would I would re-examine and I also this might be sacrilege some I think big bright beautiful world um yeah. deliberately pulls a punch like it wants to be it wants us to think that it's like this great like kind of him sort of you know identifying it's just a feel good like it's just trying to be these. And, and 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 uh, I I feel like it's it's deliberately it's deliberately trying it's it's trying to deceive us and, and, and I don't, I don't think that's its friend. I, I think that like, you know, you know how like there's a sort of, what am I trying to say? Like, like they don't, they don't want that song to be better than who I'd be, right? Mm. Cause, cause that's sort of where the, I want number would be is a uh, big bright beautiful world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, they kind of pull their punches a little bit and I feel like, no, 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 no. Make that the best fucking number you can and then just make who I'd be even better, you know? Or whatever that, like, obviously this is poshmane, like it's started in written, but like, but don't be afraid of being like awesome always, you Mm. you know?
1: Um, Yeah, I get that. It's hard to figure out what to do with Big Red Beautiful World because I think it starts really well. I like the sort of dark humor of, you know, the parents kicking him out. And musically, it does build at the end, but there's something about it. But I agree, though. Like, there's something about it that something is just missing. It's not that it's bad. It's no. it's so, it's perfectly solid, but like there is some kind of punch missing to it. So whether that's like about coming back to it and mm-hmm. and tweaking it in a way or
0: writing a whole new song, I, I think what I'm what I was trying to articulate now that you've said this is it's it's there's something that's not wholly satisfying about it, right? Like, yes. And, and it's and I think it's deliberately not giving us that. And I think that that's not the show's right. I say just give us give it to us and then like see what happens then. Like make it, you know.
1: I mean, I'd argue it's uh, Hamilton. You know, the opening song is not fantastic. It's like a perfectly fine opening song. And it's because it sort of sets up my shot to be like the grand mm-hmm. slam, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which you know works for the show. It's clearly doing well without any of my input but i'm like wouldn't it be amazing if both alexander hamilton and my shot were both slam donks instead of like one Mm -hmm. was the volley and the other one was the spike uh but you know again exactly what i'm saying yeah yeah exactly Uh, clearly hamilton is working for them shrek maybe a little less south all right those are my questions timothy thank you very much for coming on today
0: thanks for having me i hope this wasn't like a total waste of everyone's time.
1: I had a blast i don't care what anyone else thinks uh okay. timothy where can
0: people find you if you want them to find you um you can literally just google my name and i'm on the first page because um <laughs> guys with my name are either like doing medical stuff or or me so yeah you don't even have to do comma musical like you can literally just type in my name
1: yeah um, and if you i mean if you want to learn more about him literally the first page of his website tells you so much about him he's very upfront he's concise it's great it's my favorite kind of writer he's like and this, why why write paragraphs when i can write six lines explaining who i am
0: i'm tired of yeah well you know that that'll be the 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 episode where you interview writers i don't don't need to talk anymore about that um but yeah no uh i'm you know i'm on instagram timothy hoangstagram uh i have a twitter account but i never really use it except Mm. to tell celebrities i think they're awesome Um, (laughs) and i have a youtube and like a SoundCloud and i mean it's just just type in my name you'll, you'll be fine (laughs)
1: type in his name he's all over the place and not for nothing but he knows david Lindsay a bear so you know he's kind of a big deal if you want to find me guys i'm on instagram and instagram only at mac i did get a tiktok by this point i will have deleted it because i hate it so much Don't have a Twitter. Thank the Lord. Facebook is for just my mom. And uh, yeah, if you like the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, give us five star rating. Give us a nice little review. If you don't like the podcast, you can tell me so in a review, but make sure it's a five star rating anyway, because the algorithm is real. Uh, Join us next week as we cover the fourth Broadway musical of Janine Desori, not her Not the fourth show she's written. It's actually her first musical, but it's finally making its Broadway debut, once again starring with Sutton Foster. It is called Violet. Not the color purple, but Violet. Um, Timothy, we love close it. out every episode with a nice diva, usually a Broadway or musical theater standing. We have, of course, closed out with Sutton Foster already. We actually have closed out with Jennifer Samard, who is in the ensemble of Shrek. I, I think I'm gonna... I'm going to do a stretch here, but... There is an actress who did Shrek the musical her senior year of high school before she went off to star in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story as Maria. I'm, of course, talking about Rachel Zegler. So I think we will close out with Rachel Zegler, who I have been obsessed with since seeing West Side Story on November 29th. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just waiting for you to be like, really? Or amazing. So I'm glad that you uh, affirm it. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, and we'll catch you next week. Take us away, Rachel. Bye. I
0: feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. That the city should give me its key. A committee should be organized to honor me. I feel busy. I feel sunny. I feel busy and
1: funny and fun.